Welcome to The Sound of IR, a podcast that seeks to educate aspiring interventional radiologists about the clinical practice of IR. I'm Ben Rausch, a third-year medical student at Western Michigan University Homer Stryker MD School of Medicine. And I'm Adam Swirsky, a second-year medical student at the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine. We realized the educational power of podcasts for medical education and worked with a great team of students, residents, and attendings to create a resource specifically for interventional radiology. We will be the hosts of this episode, and we hope that you will find it both educational and enjoyable. On this mini episode of The Sound of IR, we'll hear about percutaneous transhepatic cholangioscopy, or PTC. Dr. Harjit Singh, an interventional radiologist at Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, will discuss PTC with Puya Agajafari, a PTY2 resident at Johns Hopkins. Hi, everyone. My name is Puya Agajafari, and I'm a PGY2 resident at Johns Hopkins. I'll be interviewing Dr. Harjit Singh, an interventional radiologist here at Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore. Good morning, Dr. Singh. How are you doing today? Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good, good. Good. Dr. Singh, I'd like to start by asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you end up practicing IR? Interestingly enough, in medical school, I was destined to be a vascular surgeon. I became good friends with a vascular surgery faculty at Albany, and they convinced me that that was my future. And one day while doing a radiology elective, as still pretty common today, I was part of a trauma embolization. And from that moment on, I was hooked, vascular surgery, vaporized, and I put myself on the path to uh, enter the field of interventional radiology. Dr. Singh, my understanding is that percutaneous transhepatic cholangioscopy, or PTC, allows interventional radiologists to get a direct visualization of the biliary system for diagnostic and therapeutic interventions. Could you tell us how PTC is performed? Yeah, so it depends on um, percutaneous access first to the area in question, either uh, to the gallbladder, uh, patients have cholecystitis and they get a cholecystostomy tube, or to the biliary tree where we put in percutaneous biliary drains. And those access points are then upsized over a short period of time to get to an appropriate size. And then through that access, we have the ability to visualize and perform therapy in those areas. All right. Sounds very interesting. And I guess, how did you start performing these PTCs? Uh, Interestingly enough, uh, when I was a fellow here at Johns Hopkins in 1995, uh, Sally Mitchell and some of the other attendings here were performing cholangioscopy even then and taught me the procedure and um, I stayed with it through my career at Penn State. So it's been a continuous process since then. So what type of patients may undergo PTC and what are those reasons? Are there any alternatives offered by our GI and surgical colleagues? Yeah, so... Most of the patients that undergo PTC are those who really fall into two main categories. Mm -hmm. One is they have altered bowel uh, anatomy, likely from prior surgery, a Whipple, etc. And because of that, our endoscopy colleagues cannot reach the biliary tree. And so that's why we end up going percutaneously. Or in the case of acute cholecystitis and cholelithiasis, there are they are patients who are not surgical candidates for cholecystectomy mm-hmm. and require alternative therapies for managing their cholelithiasis. 
Um, I'd like to ask you also about the difference between PTC and endoscopic retrograde cholangiopancreatography, or, or also known as ERCP. My understanding is that PTC is used in cases where an ERCP might have limited anatomic access, like you just mentioned, and we would like to differentiate between benign and malignant lesions. How is PTC different from ERCP, and how did you decide when to pursue each of these techniques? So I think the critical things is, and we've reflected on it already in patients who have altered anatomy for sure, ERCP can't reach the bile ducts. Um, even in patients who have uh, intact anatomy, if there's a lesion that's uh, very uh, peripheral in the intrahepatic biliary tree, it's still difficult for our endoscopic colleagues to reach those lesions. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes a percutaneous approach where we're coming in peripherally it is a much better uh, way to access that area. The method for picking which patients really falls on uh, the idea that they can't be done in traditional methods. And so we, as interventional radiologists, should offer then an alternative way to resolve the issue, whether it be identifying a a lesion in the biliary tree, removing stones, uh, or evaluating strictures. Now, I understand that PTC is very safe and an effective procedure. Nonetheless, no technique is perfect. What are some reasons why a PTC attempt may be unsuccessful? So in my practice over the years, I think the most common reason that PTC has been unsuccessful is because of uh, essentially technical failure. Um, The attempts are usually not unsuccessful. Most of the time we can get uh, access, we can get the larger tubes in, But if they have, let's say, large stones in the gallbladder, I have been sometimes unsuccessful Mm -hmm. in treating those stones with uh, laser lithotripsy. There have been a couple times uh, where the patient's system had been either so infected and the large amount of uh, infected material within the biliary tree uh, made it uh, unwise to proceed with cholangioscopy. And I have had uh, one patient with some significant bleeding, Um, patient very um, well anticoagulated uh, because of an LVAD device. Mm -hmm. And that made um, cholangioscopy um, much less than ideal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Similarly, we understand that the complication rate of PTC is about 8%. What are some complications of PTC that you look for during the procedure and during recovery in the patients? I think uh, the biggest thing that I look for is because we are inside the biliary tree and to see what we're doing clearly, we have to perform saline flushing, Mm -hmm. saline perfusion. I think my biggest concern is always the idea of overpressurizing the biliary tree and because of that inducing Uh, bacteremia and possible sepsis. Um, I think the other thing is when you're working in a confined space such as the gallbladder, uh, careful use of the scope, the laser, or a lithotripter device is critical because if you approach the wall of the gallbladder um, with any of those devices, there's the risk of tear. You'll see that right away. Mm -hmm. Um, Delayed bilomas do occur, but those patients present 
very similar to those patients post-surgical who end up with a post-operative abscess. It's uncommon if you're very careful, but it's something to keep in mind if you do run into the unfortunate event of injuring the gallbladder wall, or quite frankly, even the bile duct wall. Dr. Singh, thank you so much. Can you give us um, five main takeaway points about PTC? Sure. Um, I think, number one, I think everybody has to understand that it's safe and effective. Two, that we look for patients who are not um, appropriate endoscopic or surgical candidates. Uh, This is not a procedure to replace the traditional methods of uh, visualizing uh, the bile ducts or or removing the gallbladder. Um, I think that most major academic centers who have track records of performing cholangioscopy and cholidocoscopy may fare better because of the number of procedures performed. Patients, if they are candidates for this, must understand that uh, this is a process. Uh, Surgery is go into surgery, have your gallbladder removed, and you're done. This, uh, on average, requires two sessions um, if you're looking for stone removal in the gallbladder, uh, sometimes even for repeat biopsy in the bile duct. So patients have to understand that it's a process, not an event. I think the fifth takeaway point would be that this is a procedure that represents a good opportunity for interventional radiologists willing to put in the time and the effort to grow the practice. Absolutely. Great. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, I hope that uh, we all learn something from this podcast and we'll see you next time. Thank you. That's it for this episode. If you would like to be a part of a podcast episode, we'd love to hear from you. If you are interested in interviewing a practicing IR physician, being interviewed by a member of our team, or contributing in any other way, please let us know. Our email address is thesoundofir, all one word, at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. We're at the underscore sound underscore of underscore IR. Please keep an eye out for a future episode that will expand on the use of endoscopy by interventional radiologists. We also have several episodes planned in which we'll discuss other topics including uterine fibroid embolization, women in IR, interventional oncology, pulmonary embolism, and many other topics. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave us a rating and review on the podcast app of your choice. See you next time.